This is a recording from a Sunday meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the BCHA or its board of directors. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to the BC Humanist Podcast. Joyce Arthur, who's well known to many of us, and Joyce is going to be talking about the crisis pregnancy scam, which sounds very interesting. Thanks, Joanne, and uh, welcome everyone. I'm really happy to be here again. Um, so, I should explain a little bit of background about what this presentation is and what I'm doing here. Uh, we, our group, Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada, did a study, and it actually took almost a couple of years to really complete. And um, we just did it basically on our own, um, so used volunteers, a whole team of volunteers, almost 20 people. And um, the names that you see there are the co-authors of our final report, which is right here, and it's um, online. Uh, you might recognize one of the names up there, Autumn Reinhardt Simpson. She was here a few weeks ago. She's the humanist uh, officiant. So she's a great volunteer in Edmonton and been helping us with a number of things, but this project in particular. So um, we just published it in uh, May, and uh, this is based on a presentation we did for the National Abortion Federation. So we kind of tried to do the study in sort of a scientific way, and our hope is, uh, our, our goal now is we're going to do kind of a summary, a, a short version, and, and submit it to a scientific journal and publications, fingers crossed. So we have like, you know, uh, it's kind of set up with abstract methods, you know, uh, discussion and results and that kind of thing for a scientific study, even though none of us are scientists. <laughs> um, well, maybe one or two of us are, but... Uh, so I'll just go, I'll take you a bit through the study and how we did it, and I've got, uh, at the end of the presentation, I've got some, a uh, bit more fun information, I guess, perhaps, on the anti-choice reaction to the study. Sort of a graphic on the thing, which is um, not an actual website, I just created it kind of, this is a, a typical, you know, um, website that you might see from a crisis pregnancy center, and I altered it a bit to sort of reflect the conclusions of our study. So basically, um, we went through and um, identified a total of 180 crisis pregnancy centers across Canada, which is a pretty high number, because uh, there is only about uh, maybe 30 abortion clinics, although there's also family planting centers and things like that. So um, 166 of them had websites. So we reviewed every single website in detail, every page and every website to look for uh, indications of uh, deception and any misinformation about abortion or other topics. So we found that a large majority of the websites um, did one or both of the following. They actually spread misleading or inaccurate information, medical information about abortion or other reproductive health issues, or they presented themselves deceptively. This was really common. So um, they didn't disclose that they don't refer for abortion, uh, or they hide their religious stance, uh, or they don't, um, they don't make it clear that they're not a medical clinic and that if you need medical advice, you should go see a doctor. And so we have a bunch of recommendations, which I'll, we'll go through more at the end, but a couple of the key ones are um, the idea of overcoming this problem by having a central 
resource, a national website would be best, but since it's health, we probably have to go through provincial governments and ask them to put up a website that actually gives accurate information on abortion and how to access it. And that might help to feed the misinformation out there from anti-abortion places. And then try to regulate these crisis pregnancy centers, called the CPCs for short, in order to protect public health and respect the rights of patients seeking health care. I should go back and just mention that one of the reasons we did this study as well, in this particular way, I've been working on sort of trying to expose CPCs for many years, but they are kind of, they vary in their approach and some are different from others. And so we wanted, this was a way of actually getting specific information on every single CPC in Canada, so that we'd go to a city and say, hey, this CPC is saying that abortion causes breast cancer, and you should do something about that. And we'd have the evidence that we needed to go to, for example, city councils and ask them to pass a bylaw. So I should go back and explain what are CPCs, in case probably most of you know, but just to make it clear, they're anti-choice agencies that present themselves usually as unbiased medical clinics and counseling or counseling centers. They claim to provide non-judgmental information and tell you, share information on all your options for pregnancy, so they make it seem like they're really going to be a place to help you if you're considering abortion or whatever. But they're not actually medical facilities at all. I'll get later, I'll talk about how a few of the CPCs in Canada are becoming more medicalized, which is kind of a scary trend. But they're generally run by volunteers who are untrained or get very little training, or they get some biblically-based training. They won't refer for abortion or contraception. They do provide misleading or inaccurate information. I would think that goes for pretty much all of them, if not on their website, at least their brochures or maybe in person. They use ethically questionable counseling techniques, and they're basically Christian ministries. They may take the opportunity to proselytize to clients. And of course, they're not currently regulated in Canada, and that's partly because they offer, they're volunteer-run, they offer free services, so they don't come under the auspices of the ministries of health or things like that. And their counselors are not real counselors, so they don't have to be accredited or registered or anything either. Sorry, I don't have any pictures, so the presentation's going to be a bit boring, but scientific study. So there was very little past research in Canada on crisis pregnancy centers. Quite a bit in the States, a lot of studies, and we referenced them in our report. But we looked high and low for anything and everything on CPCs in Canada, and we didn't come up with too much. One recent academic study on Ontario CPCs, by some pro-choice researchers at the University of Ottawa, a study that I myself did on behalf of the Pro-Choice Action Network on CPCs in D.C., and kind of looked at them nationally through North America as well. That was back in 2009. Two studies on CPCs in Quebec, but they're both in French, so I haven't actually been able to read them because they haven't been translated. There's been four media investigations or exposés since 2000, most of them recently, but one was in 2000. And I uncovered one unpublished, very good student thesis about CPCs at university campuses in Ontario. And it was unpublished, and I contacted the author, who I actually helped at the time, and she agreed to have us publish it on the ARC website, so it's now published on the ARC's website. But anyway, all these reports and exposés really have a common denominator, and they all show, without exception, 
uh, CPCs tend to mislead and deceive uh, their clients, and sometimes they even put women's health at risk. And this problem is probably worse in the States where they tend to be a bit more extreme, but it can happen in Canada too, I think. So how did we do the study? We compiled that list, first of all, and that involved just a lot of internet research, some phone calls to make sure that they were still operating and things like that. And uh, we did start back in 2014. That's when the list started, and we did some cross-checking later in the next year. Um, so as I said, 166 with websites, 14 didn't have any, so we've kind of eliminated them from our analysis. And, but of those uh, 166, um, 56 were birthrights. This is a, a chain of crisis pregnancy centers called Birthright. And they basically all shared the, a single website, except for one, uh, the birthright in Ottawa. And then we since discovered after the um, report came out, and this is one of the anti-choice, one the only anti-choice criticism that maybe was valid, but we missed one, that the birthright Kingston also has its own website. I went back and checked, and they, it looked like it was a new website that maybe they put up after we had done our list, so we missed that one. Um, but, you know, this little, um, it was very challenging to do all the research and the quantification of the data, and uh, I remember going through at the end and um, double-checking it all, or most of it, and finding a few little mistakes here and there, but not much, and it didn't change their, uh, the results at all, so I'm pretty confident in the results, even if there's a few little errors here and there in terms of put the X in the wrong spot. So uh, we recruited uh, volunteers to review all the websites, and I created a, a worksheet with uh, nine questions. So they were going to go to the website and, and look for the answers to these nine questions about, you know, does the website say this or that? And I'll, I'll, I'll show you the questions a bit later. And then as they were going through, they captured additional information to um, quantify the results from each question. So you could look for patterns and uh, categorize the CPCs as to whether they were, you know, worse or better or whatever in some way. We also looked at different things like uh, whether the CPC had charitable tax status and whether they were a member of uh, the Canadian Association for Pregnancy Support Services, which is an umbrella group for uh, many CPCs in Canada, not the birthrights, but um, many of the rest of them. And I'll be talking more about those guys later. So we quantified the data, we put it on, on the spreadsheet, which is, in uh, our raw data is available. It's on, we posted it on the um, on our website. You can look up the Excel spreadsheet. And then we wrote a report. Okay, so the nine questions, and I'll just uh, read them out. So the volunteers were asked to look at each website and find out the answers to these questions. Does it include a disclaimer that it won't provide or refer for abortion or contraception? Does it mention a possible increased risk of breast cancer caused by abortion? Does it mention other medical complications and risks of abortion? Does it mention increased risks of negative psychological effects after abortion? It's commonly called post-abortion syndrome or stress. Does it say that contraception is not reliable or may not protect um, adequately against uh, sexually transmitted infections? Does it advocate abstinence only or discourage sex outside marriage? Does it emphasize adoption or present it as the best option? Does it indicate a religious outlook or agenda? And finally, does it include a disclaimer that they're not a medical facility or that clients should consult a doctor for medical services? So I have some a summary of the results here, and I have some tables later that I'll kind of show you. I might run quickly through some of them. So 60% um, of all the websites uh, didn't have a disclaimer that they don't refer to abortion or contraception. And I was asked an interesting question by a, a global news journalist about well, how do you know that they actually don't refer? And um, I mean, 
I guess I can't say for absolutely sure, but we know that the vast majority of them do not. And I'll talk a bit more about that later. There's possibly cases where one or two, like maybe a staff member might sneak a phone number to a clinic to a woman now and then, but we don't know about it, but that would be very rare. Only 5% claim the link between abortion and breast cancer, which seems very low, and there's a number of reasons for that, which I'll get into later, but partly just because a lot of websites just don't get into a lot of detail for, for maybe obvious reasons. 9% claimed other medical risks, such as infertility or premature birth, um, uh, yeah, things like that. What else did they, they claim about um, increased risk of suicide and so on? Uh, so 48%, nearly half, mentioned some negative psychological consequences to abortion. 7% claimed that artificial contraception is unreliable, and 5% gave false or misleading information about contraception, or STIs. So the question six to nine, 24 percent promoted sexual abstinence as the ideal solution for unwed women. 28 percent overemphasized adoption at the expense of other options. 96 percent revealed the religious affiliation or agenda in some way, but only 24 percent were transparent and upfront about it. So a lot of that 96 percent was just like you know a word, maybe you know the word. God or something and on the donation page, often it was quite hidden. 33% didn't have a disclaimer that they weren't a medical facility or and or that clients should see a doctor for medical services. Um, oh, and then the other results were uh, quite shocking actually. And um, one of the researchers uh, basically took on checking this out on all the websites. 35% of them, this is just on their websites, offered a sex ed program to youth or local schools and communities, and out of those, um, 40 out of those 59 CPCs, were being offered to schools, including public schools. And there's a, we have a number of examples in our report about um, them actually teaching at public schools or being accepted to teach at public schools. So that's really scary. And they have taught, for example, at Edmonton, in the Edmonton School District, one of the groups was accepted for, for guest lectures there, not anymore, apparently. 68%, which is you know, almost two-thirds, over two-thirds of the uh, CPCs, all 180 of them, had charitable tax status. And that's a, a serious problem, I think, because a lot of them, most of them have charitable tax status under the, the guise of counseling or education. But I think that, you know, if they're, if they're giving misinformation to women that can actually harm their health, um, that's a serious issue. I don't think they should have charitable tax status. Fortunately, Canada Revenue Agency is very conservative, and I've tried in the past to get them to revoke tax status from CPCs and other anti-abortion groups, and it didn't happen. So 33% uh, of the 180 CPCs, and really, if you not the birth rates as I mentioned, which are about a third, so the other another third are um, affiliates of this Canadian Association of Pregnancy Support Services. And this uh, group um, used to be called the Christian Association of Pregnancy Support Services. Uh, they changed it a number of years back. And this is just one example of uh, growing um, um, examples of this particular organization uh, hiding their agenda. Uh, their affiliates must follow religious directives, uh, including all their volunteers and staff. In spite of that, only 32% of those um, affiliate CPCs openly stated on the website that they do operate from a religious perspective. So here's our little tables. 
for uh, I have one for each question, and I just wanted to probably just point out the um, where we did extra analysis. So on the um, the breast cancer question, sorry, this is the this is the um, where they don't make referrals for abortion or contraception. The disclaimer. So um, 45% of the sites, almost all of them that did not have anything about uh, in the, didn't have a disclaimer. They would make kind of vague statements about whether they would refer for abortion or contraception. It wasn't clear at all, or maybe even kind of leading uh, someone to believe that they would. And 7% buried their anti-abortion philosophy in privacy statements or small print at the bottom of a page. So it was really hard to find. For the breast cancer link, um, again, very few um, studies, uh, very few websites actually talked about it much. Some of them talked about it a lot, though. Um, so only 1.2% of sites actually did mention an explicit link, like, yes, it causes breast cancer. Some were kind of claimed it was undecided in the medical opinion, um, but a lot of them did um, at least mention it. But the medical complications, where some of them did actually claim other medical complications, or um, some of them, I mean, abortion does have some risks, but in general they would exaggerate them or just even cite disproved risks like um, the link to infertility is not um, true. Post-abortion syndrome. Um, so of the sites that, uh, like almost half of them did, 48% mentioned something about that, and 20% um, actually mentioned the, the term post-abortion syndrome. Many of them called it post-abortion stress, though, which is basically the same thing. Um, or they would just describe symptoms that uh, the groups often claim and comprise that they have a list. In many of the websites, it was interesting when we actually looked at the websites, uh, quite a number of them actually used the exact same list. It was identical. And it wasn't even clear where the source was because they, you know, there's not much in the way of sourcing on these websites usually. And a lot of them too, 51% offered post-abortion counseling. That's a big thing with CPCs because abortion is awful, women need help afterwards. So the contraception question, I'll just skip over that one. Abstinence. Um, there was a lot of um, promotion of abstinence um, using language like, I mean, I think their re reasoning is really religious, uh, but they would dress it up by, you know, your own safety and your, your own integrity and your self-esteem. You will be protected if you wait for marriage and that kind of thing. Some of them kind of used fear-based tactics, and um, a lot of them just didn't have very much information at all regarding sexual activity. So the adoption one was very interesting because they, a lot of the sites really did promote adoption, 28%. So, um, which makes you kind of wonder. I, I know I don't have any information about Canada, but in the states, CPCs are some. Some of them are known to be involved in um, adoption brackets, I would call them. So they really, they actually can make money, I think, from um, persuading women to give up their, their baby for adoption. So um, some of the sites talked neutrally about adoption as an option, okay. Um, some of them didn't even mention any negative consequences of adoption, like adoption is wonderful, great for your baby, best for you, and blah, blah. But really, I mean, I'm not a fan of infant adoption. I think it usually has very negative effects on um, most women, and there's a very, really real problem with informed consent as well, because I don't think women are really aware of what it's going to be like when they give up their child for adoption and people often pressure them. 
What was surprising, though, was that 11.4 of the sites openly championed adoption as a preferred choice, and sometimes even over-parenting, like they were trying to dissuade a single woman from parenting. It's better to let the baby for adoption, which I think is kind of horrifying. So again, a lot of religious language. Out of that 96% that revealed their religious affiliation in some way, 72% used subtle or hidden religious language, and only 23% were really open about it. And it's fine if they want to be a religious organization, that's great, but I think it's really important for them to state that up front and be really clear, and most of them don't. So yes, a lot of them did not claim or did not explain that they weren't a medical facility. The websites are really like an advertising tool for the crisis pregnancy centers, and they're designed really to lure women in. So they have a long history of making themselves appear pro-choice, or even pretend to be abortion clinics where they're advertising and where they're actually physically located, often right beside a clinic. Their names, the names of the organizations, you know, Women's Choice or whatever. We tell a story in our report about reporters down in the United States who went to a conference for Heartbeat International, which is an umbrella group for CPCs in the States. And they had a session, apparently, on how to attract clients. And they recommended having two different websites, one to secure donors, and on that website you can be more open about your religious outlook and your anti-choice agenda and so on. And the other one, more medically oriented, so to attract women seeking abortion. So they're deliberately presenting this deceptive face. And this is one of the main reasons why many, I think, many of the websites don't have much information about abortion or what their true agenda is. And definitely, a lot of them have, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed sometimes. That was one of our challenges, actually, looking at some of the websites and think, is this a CPC or is this some legit site? It was sometimes really hard to tell. You had to dig deep and look at the links, and we used clues like if they were listed on another anti-abortion site somewhere, then that would be safe to assume that they're a CPC and things like that. But I have to admit that there's even maybe one or two that we did include on our list that I'm sort of a little bit not sure about. I think sometimes over the years, especially in the States, back in the 80s and so on, there was a lot of lawsuits and other challenges against CPCs because they were just lying and had misleading advertising. So they had to sort of, you know, step back and kind of clean up their act a bit. They were forced to. And I think what we see is a process of some CPCs becoming more and more kind of benign, shall we say. But it's still kind of a front, even though some might be better than others. So just having a benign website doesn't mean the CPC is trustworthy. As we said, the religious basis is often not disclosed or it's hidden. And I mean, one thing about the study as well is that we just looked at the websites. So what the website says does not necessarily represent what's going to happen when a woman calls the center or when she actually goes in. It's quite a different story, and she might get a whole false story then about how bad abortion is, even if their website was completely above board. So really, deception is built right into their advertising strategy, and the websites are not going to typically reveal all the false or offensive information, the Christian references that you get when you're visiting them. And just to be clear, that's not an accident. It's a deliberate strategy to hide and minimize their true agenda. So 
look a little bit at funding, and it's actually hard to find information about the funding of CPCs, but we did find a few examples. Just bear with me a bit. I'll try and find them here. I'll put on my glasses. Yeah, so we know in the states that they get millions, millions of dollars in state funding and federal funding. It's not so much the case in Canada, but we don't really know for sure. The problem is that, as I just explained, they often present themselves as regular, secular, unbiased agencies, so they can actually fool even the government and other funding agencies. And so we have some examples that we put in our report, and I only found four examples of where they tried to get funding, and they were all kind of deceptive. So on the report that we did in 2009 on the CPCs in BC, we had found out at the time that in around 2002 or 2003, at least one or more CPCs that belonged to CAPS, the Canadian Association of Pregnancy Support Services, got a $64,000 grant from the BC Liberal government's Ministry of Community Aboriginal and Women's Services. And the Pregnancy Care Centre of Kamloops has been active as well. There was a couple of times where in 2011 they were soliciting funds in a Christmas campaign by placing donation cans in government liquor stores. And they were also, a year later, they were selected as one of five charitable beneficiaries for the 2012 Christmas Cheer Fund by the Kamloops Daily News. And in both cases, they completely presented themselves as unbiased agencies. And I think there was another time when the same organization tried to apply for a grant for, I think it was like a mentorship program. They were going to recruit seniors and have them mentor young parents. And um, they didn't get the grant, and I had written into the place because um, they actually had, um, the, you had, you had sort of a, like a contest you had to enter, and you couldn't be a religious organization. They were disqualified from entering, yet this CPC actually entered, and um, didn't disclose, for example, that all the volunteers they would, or people that they would hire for this mentorship program would have to be fundamentalist Christians. There was another uh, time back in 2007, um, a CPC called First Place Options in Kanata, which is near Ottawa. They were selected by the Sands Better Halves, which is uh, actually the, the wives of the hockey team. At the time I was confused, I'm not really the sports and I kept thinking, why would, why are we talking about the wives of the senators? You know, a lot of senators have husbands, right? <laughs> um, so they were selected as one of several charities to receive funds from a Christmas tree raffle. And um, but they were forced to withdraw from the fundraiser after unfavorable media coverage. And um, I mean, it just seemed at the time that possibly the Sands Better Haves didn't even realize that this place was a, an anti-abortion CPC. Uh, now, more recently in 2014, the Pregnancy Options and Support Center in Sarnia received an $83,800 grant from the Ontario Trillium Foundation. And uh, a blogger that I work with, um, uh, Fern Hill, uh, she discovered this and initiated a campaign which was successful, and she got uh, the Trillium Foundation to partially uh, claw back the grant by about half of it, because um, they looked into it and decided the CPC didn't meet their criteria for a grant organization. So again, the CPC was not upfront about their agenda when they applied for that grant. I wanted to mention that uh, some of the CPCs are becoming increasingly medicalized in Canada, and this has been going on in the States for quite some time, where a lot of them, because they're getting all this government funding, a lot of them are purchasing ultrasounds and hiring actual medical staff, like nurses and even doctors sometimes. 
So that's really scary because then they can actually really present themselves as more like a medical clinic, even though they're providing religiously-based care. So uh, there's four uh, CPCs now in Canada that have purchased ultrasounds. This is a new thing. I think the first one only happened maybe two years ago. Uh, so we list them in our um, report. There's three in Alberta and one in um, Fredericton. So there, this means they're hiring a qualified ultrasound technician and sometimes uh, even a, like a doctor or something. And um, I think there, there's more coming. There's more, more CPCs are planning to buy these. That's going to make it even harder for people to, to judge, women to judge what these places really are. And so in terms of talking about whether CPCs can be regulated, that was one of the big questions we wanted to answer with this study. And it's, it's, I think it's going to be difficult, but we want to try. Um, unfortunately, the history in the United States of trying to regulate CPCs has not been very successful. Uh, they actually have, um, there's a couple of laws that are still standing in California where CPCs are required to, they're required to inform their clients that um, they, you know, where they can seek abortion services, so they're required to refer. And um, another one I think is just a, a notification uh, law where they have to um, list the services that they provide and don't provide. So they, you know, just sort of an honesty uh, kind of thing. But they both, they've been fighting against that, but those two laws still stand. But many other laws, like notification bylaws, you know, they don't refer for abortion contraception laws like that. They've been largely struck down in many cities and states across the U.S. based on free speech grounds. And like, like almost literally, well, of course, the anti-choice don't say this themselves, but they sued, basically, for their right to lie, you know, based on free speech. So it's very disturbing, and um, we think, hopefully, that it would be easier to pass a kind of a bylaw like that in Canada because our free speech protections are not quite as strong. And there's uh, other important considerations to keep in mind, like uh, public health and so on. And we have our Section 1 in the Charter, which allows uh, rights to be balanced. You know, some rights can be justifiably limited to protect other democratic rights. And that's a very, very important section of our Charter. So even counseling things like, um, well, I'll get into that later when I get to the recommendations. Just to mention, this is our, every scientific study has a list of limitations, so this is our list. So, um, as I mentioned before, um, may not capture their actual practices in person just by looking at the website. Uh, the research was not peer-reviewed, although hopefully once we get an article together and submit it to a publication, that will happen. Um, we did it as accurately and as best as we possibly could. Probably still a few errors here and there. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the anti-choice reaction because it was kind of um, funny. We did get... We didn't get as uh, strong as media coverage as we hoped. We had a really good piece in, the, in Global News, and then a few, um, I did some interviews with radio, a couple of radio stations, and there were some bloggers and other sort of smaller alternative sites that picked it up. It did get great uptake on social media, though, so I'm really happy about that. But uh, the purpose of the report was not to get publicity, but to set the baseline, and the groundwork for regulating CPCs. So we think it's going to hopefully be a more uh, a powerful vehicle for that in the years to come. So anyway, there was a story uh, uh, in, by a local Kingston uh, paper, not a right-wing paper, but just a regular small paper, interviewing Birthright Kingston and what their reaction to the study. And uh, basically, they, they just confirmed that the, the, the study, like, um, uh, no, they, they wouldn't provide referrals to abortions, and, uh, and they gave this cockamamie excuse. 
they would need a licensed physician or registered nurse to do so, and we are not a medical clinic. Well, of course, anyone can refer someone to an abortion clinic. We're not talking about professional referrals to a specialist that only another doctor can make. I mean, I can refer you to someone. So that's just a poor excuse. And then this guy who's out in Abbotsford, Jarrett White, he's the executive director of Advocate Life and Education Services, and he's also on the board of this CPC out there. He said, well, a pregnancy center may not say on its website that it won't refer people for an abortion or contraception, but I can guarantee you that once the young women are inside our center, they find that out right away. Whether that's true or not, whether they wait until the woman's been in there for a while, which is maybe more typical. So there was another anti-choice news story from LifeSite Daily News, which is an anti-choice source, and I subscribe to it because it's often, well, entertaining or infuriating, but I just read selected things. But this is basically all from that same guy, Jarrett White, who's a bit of a strange person. Yeah. I was going to say that. He said, only the news media would take something like this seriously. This is about as scientific as a restaurant menu. I mean, you can kind of tell from his comments, too, that he didn't read the thing. If any group ought to be investigated, it is abortion clinics, which I do not believe are telling their patients the whole truth about abortion's impacts. And we help women a lot more than Joyce Arthur does. And then LifeSite said that our report was covered under, talking about the global news story, under the headline, Crisis Pregnancy Centers Mislead Women, report says. But ARC makes similar claims regularly, one of which resulted in the lawsuit. Well, first of all, the lawsuit was for that other report that I wrote in 2009 on behalf of the Pro-Choice Action Network. It had nothing to do with ARC. And they sued me, two CPCs sued me personally for defamation for that report. I said nothing about them in that report. All I did was talk, there was, out of that whole page, that whole report, there was three or four pages in it that talked about behaviors of CPCs generally across North America. And here's some examples of what many CPCs do, you know, not all. So I listed all these things that they do sometimes, examples. So they sued on that basis, saying, well, we don't do this, we don't do that, we don't do that. And so they lost the lawsuit, long story short, and they even had to pay my court costs. Because the report said quite clearly that, you know, we're not saying that all centers did this. And they weren't even mentioned in the report at all by name, except for a list in the appendix. So the judge basically said no reasonable person would assume that this report is saying that about your particular center. The other funny thing was that they really, they were really surprised and almost offended at these low numbers, you know, like only 5% of websites, you know, talked about breast cancer. So in the second bullet there, the same guy again, Jared White, really puts his foot in his mouth. The report claims that 5% of centers claim there's a possible risk of breast cancer after abortion, which the report says has been scientifically rejected. But White commented, again, I would have thought more centers than that would have claimed that there might be a link. So the 5% figure is far too low. And then on the abstinence thing, the report's numbers were misleadingly low. For example, the report notes that 24% of the centers promoted sexual abstinence as the ideal solution for unwed women on their websites. But White says, I would think 100% would promote that with women who get inside the door. So thanks for more than confirming the conclusions of our report, Mr. White. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the Canadian Association for Pregnancy Support Services. And this is the CAPS I was talking about before that used to be called the Christian Association. So five days after our study was published, suddenly, you see the yellow highlight? 
this section is only available to our registered affiliates. So they took all of their tools and resources for the CPCs um, off their website, no longer accessible. Uh, luckily, one of our co-authors, Kathy Dawson of Edmonton, bless her heart, had the presence of mind to download all this stuff before it went offline. <laughs> so I was really grateful for that, and we call them their core documents, and I just wanted to show you some of the things in those core documents. So they have a statement of faith, and all their trained volunteers are required to sign this stuff. So remember, this is for all their affiliate CPCs, which uh, there's 60 of them across Canada, belong to CATS. So they basically endorse a totally fundamentalist, literalist version of Christianity, uh, even you know the virgin birth and everything. And it goes on, this is just a sampling of the, some of the points. On their statement of principles, another document they have to sign, um, the centers are all committed to sharing the love of Jesus Christ to those with issues related to sexuality and unplanned pregnancy. So they're talking about, you know, they're going to proselytize the clients if they can get away with it. They believe in celibate singleness and in faithful heterosexual marriage as God's design for family. Those who serve as pregnancy center board members, directors, staff, and volunteers are expected to have a personal relationship with Christ and their lifestyle should be lived accordingly. And the affiliate center is committed to providing accurate educational and current medical information from a Christian perspective. You think that is kind of like a non sequitur or oxymoron. But their commitment of care and competence, again, these are just uh, some points I've picked out to um, highlight they have this huge commitment to offering accurate information, yet they don't do that. I mean, of course, accurate information to them is something totally different from what we conceive it to be. They have their own you know, little reality bubble that they live in, unreality bubble. And even their advertising communications supposedly have to be truthful and honest and accurately described, blah, 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 blah. But remember, as I said, that even though they're, they're a committed Christian ministry, uh, most of the affiliates don't say anything about their religious perspective on the website. So the training guidelines, and um, now we're talking about here, because they do call it, most sites say, refer to them as peer counselors, so there's, uh, that's a, you know, an indication that they're not well trained. But still, uh, a lot of them don't, and there might be some uh, assumption on the part of women coming in that they're going to get some proper, you know, real counseling. So, but the counselors get a minimum of 21 hours, and I can tell you that the CAPS training program for their volunteer counselors is two weeks. I have a copy of their training manual, and um, this is the, like the table of contents, and it, it's uh, a lot of religion throughout, and it's all based on religion and, and the biblical basis to the sanctity of human life. They're big on abstinence and sexual integrity counseling. A lot of their sex ed programs have names like sexual integrity and things like that. And when they do talk about abortion, it's about, um, they, they describe things like the abortion techniques, you know, and exactly how the abortion happens, but they use kind of this lurid language. And of course, you know, lots about risks and consequences of abortion and how awful it is, but it's never put into context of, uh, you know, for example, that childbirth is 14 times more dangerous. And uh, at the bottom, just note, no one topic should take more than three hours of training time. Um, so. These counselors are not properly trained in any offensive word. And more, the Code of Counseling Ethics, which is, has no relationship whatsoever to any real counseling ethics. So I thought the first one was quite noteworthy. I choose to examine and evaluate human ideologies and counseling theories and tools 
according to their consistency with the Bible and my conscience as enlightened by the Holy Spirit. So if the if proper counseling techniques, you know, doesn't fit in with what you believe, just chuck them. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to talk a bit more about this confidentiality thing uh, now, so I'm getting to this part now. So, so, so it says, they'll endeavor to ensure that the client understands that all intake material is given voluntarily and that the client understands the purpose for which this information will be used. Hmm. Well, do they? Are they told how the information will be used? I will preserve the client's right to confidentiality and will not release any identifying information verbally or in writing while the client signed permission. And under another uh, um, core document, client information is held in strict and absolute confidence. Well, just a, a few days ago, we discovered something. This has been going on since November 2015. There's a website called justicewall.com, and they have a page on there called No Not This One Campaign. What is it? They get tips from individual CPCs about women considering abortion. It's sent to this group, and they send out a prayer alert. Put it on their website with some details about the woman who went to the CPC. Uh, they accept tips from anyone, any anti-abortion person, but it sounds like primarily a lot of them are coming in from CPCs. So here's a couple of, of examples of uh, prayer alerts, and it looks like um, the Pembroke CPC there was three different uh, prayer alerts from Pembroke, and so it looks like the CPC there is probably responsible for them. Uh, now, these two don't give the name of the woman, but some of the other prayer alerts actually give the real first name of the woman, or sometimes the name of a relative. So they give some details, you know, oh, she just moved, she's married, she just moved to this area two months ago, doesn't want a third child, had a previous abortion. This one says, young mama four, youngest, which is just three years old, suspect she's pregnant, her husband had a vasectomy. Her, home, her test was negative, but she stated that urine tests never showed her other pregnancies. She always required a blood test. So all these medical details, which, you know, if you knew someone, it, people are potentially identifiable through some of these prayer alerts, especially the ones that have names, and often locations as well. So um, you know, just the last word on that, like, it's still happening now, and um, the blogger who uncovered it was blogging about it, Fern Hill, against one of my colleagues, and she... Um, is challenging CAPS, because this Pembroke CPC is a member of CAPS, so she's challenging CAPS on, you know, CPC is violating your confidentiality, what are you going to do about it? They haven't responded. And I've also made inquiries to the privacy commissioners in Ontario and federally. And unfortunately, um, the Privacy Act doesn't cover private organizations, basically, so um, this, this is the problem, right? When you're a private volunteer-run agency, you're totally unregulated, you can do whatever you want. But um, I think the only advice I got was that you know if these centers have their own privacy policies, their confidentiality policies. You can hold them to account for that, but you know of course you can't really tell CPCs what to do. So just coming back around to the recommendations of our study, uh, I mentioned earlier it'd be really great if we could establish um, government websites with information about abortion, because that might help override the anti-choice misinformation if women have a central place to go to. Uh, we did check into that with an MP here, and he said, because a national wouldn't be better, he said, well, it'd have to be provincial Ministry of Health, because health is a provincial matter. You're probably right about that. <laughs> but another useful thing would be to have uh, provincial hotlines in every province that we would call to find out where to access abortion, at least. And then the thing that we hope to do is establish disclosure notice laws at the municipal or provincial level, where 
PPCs have to post clear and prominent notices both on their websites and on their premises that they don't refer for abortion and contraception, that they're not medical facilities, and that they're Christian ministries opposed to abortion. And we need to ensure that CPCs are not publicly funded. So that probably is just important to make funders, foundations, and government agencies aware of that. In the study we did before, back in 2009, we discovered that many here in BC, sometimes doctor's offices and clinics and hospitals and other agencies will be referring women to CPCs, like not even realizing that they're anti-abortion. So we need to get them off those lists. And while it would be great to revoke the charitable tax status of some CPCs, that's going to be hard to do. I mean, there was one that I made a complaint about years ago. It was a CPC called Aid to Women in Toronto. And at the time, their volunteers were actually next door to a clinic, a clinic that had a buffer zone law, or an injunction, rather. So they would have their volunteers and even their staff out there violating the buffer zone. So they're breaking the law. So I sent a complaint in about that with the proof. And today, they still have their charitable tax status. So apparently, charities can even break the law and still retain their charitable tax status, as long as they're conservative and religious and right-wing, et cetera. And then we need to crack down on the misleading advertising of CPCs. Again, we have to be up front about their agenda. And maybe even possibly, can their counselors be required to be properly trained or registered for some of the professional associations in Canada, for example? That's a tough one as well, because it's hard to figure out a way to actually do that, to force them. They could just sort of change their name or whatever, how they call themselves instead of counselors. But there's some possibilities. And maybe in the Q&A, if you guys have any other suggestions or ideas or ways to do it, I would really appreciate that. It is hard to know how to move forward successfully on this. And that's it. Thank you very much.